are live for the second apocalypse. And we're on chapter 10, which was kind of a low-key chapter. Pretty good, but low-key. Not a whole lot going on. What's up? I'm just talking to our faithful audience. Oh, faithful. How are you? Uh, I feel hungover, even though I haven't drank in... Like 69 years, <laughs> 30 fucking years. How, how, how long have, has it been since you've actually drank? Almost 10 years. Like uh, November, what is it? November 1st, 2012 was the last time I drank. Hell yeah. That's cool. Thanks. Praise the meat. Yeah, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm... Like I said, happy to see another person. I feel like I've kind of just been in a portal. Mm-hmm. Not a bad portal, but just... Been doing podcast stuff. Um, hung out with Patricia a tiny bit, but she's gone. She's gone? Where'd she go? Uh, she went to Columbia, Tennessee. Oh, to Mule Town. Fucking Mule Town, Tennessee, to <laughs> hang out with her friend. Wow. Oh, yeah, do you have a car? Are you uh, stranded here? Yeah. I'm stranded. You have to run everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I have a car, but it's in the shop. Oh, uh, word. Yeah. Let me know, dude, if you need a ride to corner store or something. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need a ride to the gym. Oh, yeah. A ride to these nuts, too. Um, who are you today? Oh. Well, I need to find it, but who are you? Um, I need to find it in within myself. <laughs> um, oh, shit. I'm like a eco-terrorist with a sprained ankle and about to get rolled up, run over by a bulldozer. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> eco-terrorist in the sense not that, like, that you're defending the earth. I am defending Not the like earth. how an oil company is basically an ecological terrorist. Yeah, I'm what the government would call an eco-terrorist. For sure. But I'm, like, running away from a bulldozer and my ankle is sprained. Did you really spring your ankle? Oh, no. Okay. I'm gonna become a martyr for sure, and not to split hairs here um, with you. I knew what you were talking about, but I just hate that they flipped it on people like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, eco terrorized my balls, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm still having trouble finding it. I'm the little pinky finger. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> Esmanette waves at the guy that was yeah. stoning her. Hell yeah. It's like, little dick. Mm-hmm. Not pendulous, curving phallus. Yeah. Just the limp pinky finger that she stuck out mm-hmm. in uh, retaliation, I guess. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was a good defiant, post-stoning, like, horrible trauma move. Yeah. Esmanette does some cool stuff in this chapter. I'd like to do this in real life list to I don't know um no one will ever know what it meant but like yeah I don't know I think this is like no middle finger feels more um fulfilling but mm-hmm. could do this to somebody and they just wouldn't know what you're talking about but like wiggle it at him <laughs> they'd be like what's up do you think that they would get mad no I saw I think the- they would be alarmed <laughs> just because you're an alternative person, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, we look kind of hash. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. B-Rad's here. What up, B-Rad? What's up, B-Rad? Hobbling while watching. Huzzah. Are you hobbling right now? It might be in reference to your, uh... Hobble. 
Yeah. You go hobbying. Hobbying. What's your hobbying on? Some uh you doing some fucking quilting? Maybe. It's a good hobby. Yeah. You make qu- you get a quilt after you do all that quilting. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> the quilting is the verb form of the noun of quilt. Yeah. I'd say so. <laughs> oh my god. How was uh how was your experience with the chapter? Hello, salt. What's up? Terrain <clears throat> gaming table. Oh hello. Oh, cool. It sounds epic. Dude, I used to do those when I was a kid. Are you talking about like I mean, I guess it's what it sounds like, but I used to do these like big large scale battles, like on these huge tables, you know what I'm talking about? But it'd be like Lord of the Rings reenactments and also historic battles, like Civil War stuff. Do you get like the tiny little trees and bushes or whatever? Mm-hmm. Paint rivers on there? Yeah. That's so sick. It was super cool. War war tables just in like any movie or I, I mean, I've only seen them at like shops where people sometimes have, there's always like a shop in every town with like a giant war hammer thing. Yeah. That I don't know how they stay in business, but there's like always people there. And smoking is still allowed in there. <laughs> Hopefully. It's like one of the few places where you could still smoke. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about though? I don't know. I didn't know that they smoke, but <laughs> it just I just feel like all the like nerd shops I've been in or all the comic book stores smell so smoky. But in a good way, it reminds me of my childhood. Right on. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um What's up, Saul? Appreciate your 3D synthes. Hell yeah. I appreciate your 3D synthes. Um, it's excellent. Hello, Ring Thing. Thanks for the uh, info earlier about the Discord and um, Warehammer tabletop games. Excellent, excellent. And then Jeff says he's going to be in, we're going to be in his ears. Hmm. Why are at the grocery store? What kind of groceries are you going to get? Praise the meat. Gets <laughs> get a big old hunk of meat. Uh huh. Um, yeah. How was the chapter? Well, I was gonna say. Do you, you have know, something else to say? Yeah. No. No, no. Come on, come on. I was gonna be like, well, you know, not a lot of plot development, but a lot of world building, but which is like kind of true. But I'm mostly kidding because that's just what we say seventy five percent of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. Was confused as fuck at first, just... Uh, my brain's been fuzzy, but... Just some of the way that he describes stuff, I was like... Is that a descri- Like, is that a real description? And mm-hmm. I'll point out a couple... Like, piling eyes or something like that. I was yeah. like, what does that fucking mean? Pining eyes? Or is it pile? I think it says pile, but... Weird. Again, it's like, I'm not my sharpest today either. Oh, that's fine. Um... But I kind of got into it with the Benjuka and Zionimus yeah. is sick. It's it's, it's heady. The yeah. Benjuka part is really heady. Yeah, I was thinking I cannot picture Benjuka. Like, yeah. I can't really imagine what playing Benjuka would be like. Yeah. Um. I just don't have that type of big brain. I know. Medium brain. I got medium brain. Mm-hmm. I got shallow brain. <laughs> Swamp brain. Kitty pool. Deep. Yeah, the deep end of front, the kiddie pool, <laughs> front porch, redneck kiddie pool. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah well, there was a lot of heady stuff in the chapter, but it was really cool. I, there's a lot of 
nihilist stuff going on. I feel like a lot of questions, um, or just perspective on how Baker views the world, mm-hmm. or at least views the world of Yarwa, um, very nihilist. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. Um, do you feel like reading the first pat, like the passage? Yeah, sure. Okay, here we are, y'all. Chapter ten. This is Drusus Commune Compendium Compendium of the First Holy War. How should one describe the terrible majesty of the Holy War? Uh, okay. <laughs> That's it. No. It's just guys being guys, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Just guys being dudes. Um, even then, still unblooded, it was both frightening and wondrous to behold. A great beast whose limbs were composed of entire nations. Galioth, Thunyursis, Satadon, Conraya, High Anon, and the Nansurium, and with the Scarlet Spires as the Dragon's Maw, no less. Not since the days of the Canaan Empire or the ancient North has the world witnessed such an assembly. Even diseased by politics, it was a thing of awe. Hmm. She big. She big, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's crazy. Like, in the whole seven-book series, but I everything just keeps scaling up and up and up. Like, mm. we find out the um, vulgar holy war, 100,000 people died. Mm. They say it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Yeah, commune's like, fuck, 100,000? Are you serious, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For real, though. Um, but yeah, and then the uh, the less vulgar Holy War, mm-hmm. the regular Holy War is going to be bigger than that, I, you know, I think. And then, yeah. Um, the Great Ordeal is like just, I don't know, it's kind of like a fractal. It's like the same thing, but it keeps magnifying mm-hmm. out. Yeah, we did. We get a lot of foreshadowing in this chapter, actually, kind of in that in that tone. Lots of having read the whole series, reading some of this, being like, "Oh shit, so so crazy, mm-hmm. so much time too." It's gonna. That's a long book. It's a long series. Yeah, I think we're. What are we halfway through this book? Yeah, almost. Okay, or probably like exactly halfway through after the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Um. So, it starts off with Esmina walking, and she is intoxicated by the sheer impossibility of it. So, she's super stoked. She's running around. Um, she's frolicking. She's doing some dancing in the fields. She's having a really good time. Mm-hmm. Which I just felt like was very sweet. Um, and at the same time, the like inherent anxiety that's just throughout Yarwa and throughout just the area that they're in kind of arises with that, too, even without... Baker having to like shit on her parade mm-hmm. um, I don't know I, I feel like the world is deep enough to where I can read someone having a really good time and feel the anxiety of knowing that that's like a very temporary experience mm-hmm. and a very fleeting experience um, so I don't know and yeah it says the cold was iron hard the space endless oh that, that's actually still describing some cool stuff um, she says or she thinks to herself that here, it seems, was where it all started. Um, so just kind of a continuation of a lot of what we talked about last chapter, <clears throat> where Esmonette is kind of beginning a new chapter. Mm-hmm. Sort of a fucked up um, journey of Frodo from the Shire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, let's see. Salt King says, that was the Vulgar Holy War. Oh. What was? the What, what Akamian was talking about? Galeothunerosis. And Rahainanon and then in Syrium. Is that what you were talking about? Oh, wait. I don't know. What were, what were you talking about? The book, the burp was the the vulgar holy word. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a good one. That's deep. Yeah. I thought I said something wrong or missed something. Last no. Time. Shit. The burp. Um, and then Jeff confirms that he's purchasing Shrank. Um, oh, nice. Shrank Cheeks at 625 a pound in this economy. Cobb, <laughs> <laughs> what's up? Um, how is it going? I love the crew. We have such a tight crew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, eventually, as the night waxed, she sobered. She reminded herself of the arduous days ahead, of the dread purpose that drove her. A commune was being watched. So, she swiftly <coughs> swiftly reminds herself that her world is terror and sadness. <laughs> yeah. Which I relate to. Yeah. Oh, I'm really enjoying myself. And then I remember, well, it's going to end. <laughs> it sounds like our friend Sam. Yeah, it's like there is no pleasure without suffering or something. Yeah, I'm like sad boy. Yeah, I'm gonna pop the um, the blah, 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 link to the Second Apocalypse Discord into the Twitch chat, so those that are interesting can join it, or those that are interested can join it. There you go. Um, okay, well. What else happens? Um, what else does happen? Uh, she's thinking back about um, getting alien pleasure raped. Mm-hmm. And, like, obviously that's an uncomfortable thing to discuss or to bring up again. Well, I mean, it is for me to consider that whole situation, yeah. the whole chapter last time. But it's weird. It, it like, really kind of points out how, like, good it felt and how ashamed she felt about that, too. Mm -hmm. Which, um, I don't know. There's, like, I'm I'm gonna say first, I'm not accusing Baker of this, really, right now, but Mm -hmm. there's, like, uh, Reddit and just this whole idea of, like, men writing women Mm -hmm. where they're just, like, her... I don't know, pendulous breasts simmered in the moonlight or something, and Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, like, I don't know make men depicting women or like describing women being just like very different than what like a regular woman might be like Mm. or I don't know typically more sexualized right and so that was crossing my mind it's like I don't know is it women are just like are lesser and they're sexual objects kind of or sexual property in this world um but, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just felt uncomfortable by thinking that, like, she was violated, but also it felt good. Mm. And I was wondering how um, important that really was to the story, because it felt like there's a couple paragraphs that really hammered that in. Yeah, it does. That's interesting. I, I marked that, too, and just I just wrote men. <laughs> <laughs> the movie? Yeah. Well, yeah, the movie and also kind of... At, so it's, the example is the skin spy that, like... The way that she interacts with the skin spy is just obviously very wild because 
it's the console, but I don't know. I guess whenever I was reading it, I was thinking about how it reflects on men's relationship to women or the like um, historical relationship, the oppressive relationship mm-hmm. in our world. Um, and just kind of being like super magnified, kind of like Nayur's like hatred incarnate. Um, this in Koroi that, that basically raped Esmanet or mm-hmm. raped Esmanet um, can be a little manifestation of that. Yeah. That. It made me think of too this um, quote from Tyler Perry, the director of like those Medea movies and some, I don't know, some weird movies, but he's also like the lawyer in Gone Girl. He's like really good uh, oh, character really? in that movie. Yeah. That's chill. Um, great book, great movie in my opinion, but he talked about being abused and he said, my body betrayed me. Um, and I mm. think that that was about how, like, despite like, you know, it being completely on desired like your body does have physiological reactions mm-hmm. to certain types of sensation so right. it's like I don't know that feels very relevant to me in this moment too yeah I agree but also the thing with um, the skin spy is that or not the skin spy rather the Encoroi <coughs> is that um, they have like greater than human power Mm-hmm. Right, the pheromones we were talking about yeah. last time, and I don't know, maybe some other type of like weird biotech, but um, there's some description in here that makes him sound kind of like God to her. Um, mm-hmm. He had taken her body captive, he had seized what was hers, and then this is the real thing that made mm-hmm. me think of the Bible remade it not in his own image, but in the image of what he needed her to be. And then it says the word infinite basically three times in a row mm-hmm. and yeah that felt real godly biblical yeah that i guess it's just like the in his own image thing mm-hmm. yeah no that's that's very that's very good um that is maybe some more support for what i said about just an example of men needing women like <laughs> and honestly what you said about like baker having to depict a woman and depicting her in this moment, as infinitely receptive, docile, and gratifying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. And then Jeff says, I feel like Baker also equally depicted the same feeling when they are in his, in his homosexual thoughts. Yeah, but I think Baker does a good job describing that type of abuse. Techne. Yeah, he does. It's like I mean, fucking very visceral. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's why I love Nayer so much, just because of how his, I mean, his, obviously his actions are horrible and he's, you know, we all know Nayer, but his trauma is so, I don't know, relatable or understood mm-hmm. in my being, having read it so well, um, or like having read it being written so well by Baker, mm-hmm. that I appreciate his trauma like that. I don't know. Yeah, I feel you. Um just a more general thing for this whole chapter or parts of this chapter. Um, I was wondering kind of who like Baker was writing this for, or it's not on him. Like I appreciate him and how he's written everything, but um, like we were talking kind of last week about the movie men Mm -hmm. and um, you mentioned something you read. And then I read it this week where this, woman um tweeted she was like 
if I need to, if I need a reminder be, to be scared of men, I'll just go outside. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, who's the movie for? The teaching, like, women don't need to be reminded yeah. that everything's scary. And and I was kind of like, it makes sense to me why women might not want to read this at all because um, the women being like, I mean, sometimes exaggerated, sometimes not, like, put down and abused is just so, like... I don't know relevant to today mm-hmm. that I feel like that might be very unenjoyable to watch mm-hmm. however I think that it might be like pretty powerful to teach men and boys and men who mm-hmm. you know I'm assuming are like maybe most of his audience reading these fantasy books mm-hmm. about like um I don't know sexism and misogyny and oppression too yeah and with um what Jeff said and, and like Nayer and other stuff too um I think, you know, a lot of people have been abused, a lot of men and boys have been abused that, mm-hmm. like, don't talk about it or feel, like, less willing to talk about it, and I think that he explores that a lot, um, well, not <laughs> talking about it and processing mm-hmm. it, but I think that comes up a lot in here, in these books, in the series, so that could be beneficial to help people, you know, deal with it, deal with what they've experienced in their own lives, too. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. I think that's valid. Um, and it's a slippery kind of gray area because you could also argue that it does some harm teaching in that way by just providing examples that men are probably used to and could just kind of glance over as the norm. Um, but, I mean, either way, I mean, I, I don't know. I like your way. Yeah. I think we can learn a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it's a bummer that it would be hard, difficult for a woman to read this or like you know it could be difficult for a lot of people to read this not just women yeah um i mean i think probably all of us have experienced a lot of like revulsion and just like oh my god like i can't I, yeah. like the number of times i had texted you in the middle of the night when i'm reading <laughs> just being like fuck whale mother like <laughs> oh yeah for sure so i like specifically don't watch I mean, there's probably exceptions, but watch movies with rape in them. Yeah. But, like, so, I mean, I probably wouldn't read books like that, other than this series, you know, Mm. which is my big exception, or I think it's treated differently, for Mm. sure, like, notably differently in this. Yeah. But, yeah, there's certain things that I just, like, don't feel like encountering in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, But... I think Baker kind of redeems what could be considered like just kind of blatant misogyny in this writing by allowing Esmonette or or not allowing but showing how Esmonette still manages to to be empowered during these times like mm-hmm. whenever she's getting stoned by the people afterwards she like kind of bounces back immediately and like fucking like fucks with that guy yeah just like so she has this like well of power and I think a lot of the women do but it's in the backdrop of this misogynistic world mm-hmm um, and I think that's a very redeeming factor or like a very illuminating aspect that's kind of cool to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, cause even though she does have all this power, she doesn't necessarily like triumph over men in her life until she becomes the, the real whore of Sumna. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, uh, analogous to our world too, where mm-hmm. you can be a super powerful, like individual or interpersonal type of person and then you still like can't really even like stand up even this tall to the system Mm -hmm. that's another example of 
and I think we've talked about it a little bit, how it's either all or nothing in this series. Like, you never really get to meet the, like, fucking middle class sheep farmer. Um, I don't know. I think that's not super... Oh, I actually did mark that, though, because she starts a... At some point, she sees some, like, fruit salesman or something. Oh, no. By mid-morning, she came across a roadside hostel where she loitered in hopes of joining the small group of wayfarers. Um, and then two men held their backs, stooped beneath great bushels of dried fruits. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cute. Some like, merchant class? Yeah, just some... Yeah, merchant class. They're not even in the Holy War or anything. I guess they might be following it. Yeah. Um, but we do have some some chat going on here. Kelpfron came in. Do you want me to read that or should I read that? Those were both you. Huh? Okay, okay. <laughs> um, okay, it. so Kelfron says, Now what I'm always interested... and this, So I'm assuming this is Baker. Yeah, now is. what I'm always interested in all my books is the reader, their moral sensibilities, and their biological drives, among other things. I always assume this reader is male, so the idea always is to engage them in conflicting ways. To draw them in with um, purescence, then saddle them with something difficult. What a fucking rigorous word that is. The point is to render that the kinds of scenes you find throughout much of the genre in ways that make them difficult to digest. That point to the that point to the conflicts and complexities, Baker. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel like that's a lot of what we're talking about. A system that tells you to shut up for the people. Very relevant. That's what Jeff says. Um, that's a great quote. Uh thanks for posting that Kelt Frond. Yeah, um, where's that from? Like I, I, I mean, I haven't heard it before. So. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, purience is an adjective that's. God, this is even more rigorous. <laughs> Having inclined to have or characterized by lascivious or lustful thoughts, desires, etc., causing lasciviousness or lust. Okay. Okay. Where's to draw them in with, basically. Sexy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna dumb it down for myself. Right. Um, and then saddle them with something difficult. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's really cool. I didn't think he was, like, really that fucked up or that ignorant or, like, you know, mm -hmm. some of the stuff that I'm bringing up just to discuss is, like, not stuff I'm accusing him of exactly. Yeah. Or at least I don't think I am. But um, it's cool to show, like, how intentional he is with uh, what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, there's another thing about the, his relationship with women that I'll bring up in a bit, too, that it's some outside-of-the-story stuff that I still found interesting. Yeah. I liked it, yeah. Yeah. Outside-story stuff's good. Uh, well, here's my confusion about the piling. Oh, yeah. She shivered in her cloak. Her breath piled before her. Was that just like... Oh, fuck! <laughs> oh, shit! I was... It's like calling a lake a pile of water. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not wrong there. Uh, I remember in uh, high school, one teacher was talking about how badly written the Da Vinci Code was uh -huh. by saying, using this one example where it says some, this guy stumbled to his feet. And I kind of, and I, at the time I was like, yeah, that's dumb. But after, I don't know, it stuck in my brain mm. for the second half of my life since yeah. then and I kind of feel like that's not that bad of a sentence because you could like trip and like still kind of catch your balance yeah. and be standing up or like yeah yeah I, I can totally see 
someone stumbling to their feet. So Dan Brown is vindicated. Dan, Dan Brown's the best author of all, <laughs> all time. time. But um, <laughs> yeah, let's I'm, get him on the podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'll just give him a call. Uh, so yeah, I was wondering if their breath piling was just because it's cold and it's like, I don't know, being able to see your breath and it felt like it was just, like. You know, it's a, it's a metaphor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a, I don't think it's like literally like plopping out in piles and <laughs> yeah. making a stack. It is a very interesting choice of words. It's viscous. It makes it the world seem thick. Which, for some reason, the like the metaphysics of the world does make the world seem quite thick. I don't know. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are a few other things where he gets like pretty poetic. Just at least in my opinion. Yeah, he pops off in this chapter for sure. Yeah, more than I remember in past chapters. Mm-hmm. You want to keep going? Yeah. Uh, what does she do? She keeps on walking. She she groups up with this band. Um, they're you know, just walking along, uh, walking along, she follows the Carian Way, Carian Way, a relic of the Sinaian Empire, or Canaan, or whatever. And so there's some world building. Da, da, da. They take a detour, and yeah, let's see. And then, but Esmanet had always prized experience. Those who had suffered, who had overcome, who had seen far away or astounding things, these were the men that she prized. So she's reflecting on what kind of customs she enjoys the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of already know this about Esmanet, but she really enjoys being able to experience the world through other people because that's the only chance she gets to. Yeah, I think that <clears throat> how she gets blisters on her, well, her sandal breaks and how she gets blisters on her feet and stuff, uh-huh. that kind of illustrates in a literal sense how she hasn't seen any of the world. Mm-hmm. But she obviously does try to get as much experience of it through other people which is through men who are her clients or customers yeah yeah i was thinking with the sandal um i don't know if this is accurate at all but i've heard this argument that jesus wasn't poor because he had sandals Hmm. and that people back then most people or the poor people were just barefooted interesting yeah i could see that again i have no fucking clue how you know if how much of a luxury uh Sandals were an earwar, ear, earwar, and uh, slipper. Yeah, a, a rararian leather a, thong. A Ferrari slipper. <laughs> Dude, I was just looking up the lyrics to um, <laughs> thought it was a drought. Oh hell yeah, what is dude. Dirty Soda Spike Lee, the Future song. I earlier? fucking love Future. I was listening to Future last night at the gym. Nice for hours. I got um, super swole. Oh hell yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I there was something that made me think. It might have just been stuck in my head, but I thought <laughs> the we got purple activists. I thought it was a drought. It was gonna like I thought it might have a tie in for this chapter. I don't think I actually do at all. <laughs> Wait till you hear my uh, metaphor about Migos. Oh shit! I'm just kidding. Versace, Versace, Versace. Yeah, I Look fucking my love the Migos. Yeah, I know. It might be super cringe that I said the Migos. I think it's just Migos. Oh. But they're fucking great, man. Their music makes me so happy. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to mention from the chat real quick. Keltron said that the comment was from Baker's blog. It's a 2012... 420... 2012... um, Be rad. Smoke some kush, dude. What's up? The three-pound brain, which... um, 
He figured out that his brain was three pounds by actually getting it excised from his skull, weighed, and then put back in. Uh, Baker did? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that sounds right about right. Did you, head, didn't we learn head, uh, head weighs 11 pounds? Yeah. The cabbage. Because we were wondering about the cabbage. And it's water weight. <laughs> <laughs> How much of your brain is water weight? Um, dude, uh, the word, know. oh, are you actually asking? Yeah. No, 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 no. Please, no. Well, you know how we got wrinkly brains and smooth brains? Yeah. And the word convoluted, like, you know, complicated or, like, kind of, a, I don't know, unnecessarily, like, whatever, mm-hmm. mixed up. Um, the wrinkles are actually, in our brains, are actually called called convolutions, mm-hmm. which I think is funny in, like, a just a linguistic way. Yeah. That we're our own, you know, wrinkly-ass brains are actually causing more problems than they than maybe some smooth ones would be. Damn. Yeah. Is it ableist to call somebody a, to say smooth brain? I would uh, never call somebody that, but even saying it. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We don't I, have to get into it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm totally fine calling people idiots, even though that's probably not fully PC anymore. Yeah. Nah, yeah. That, yeah. I, 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 I get you. Um, so, Esmanette says something that reminds... that I wanted to ask Chat and you about. Um, so... <clears throat> Okay, so some nihilist stuff. She's thinking several people had cured her of this belief. Um, let's see, what was the belief actually? So she said they left lightened of both silver and seed. She's talking about her custom, mm-hmm. but she had convinced herself that they took part, took some part of her with them, that she had expanded somehow, that she, as Manette, haunted eyes that watched and wa- warred with the world. I thought that was cool writing, um, mm-hmm. but she immediately as she does, ruins her joy by reflecting on someone who told her that no sweetling, um, when women dip their cups in men, they draw only what's been stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, that quote just reminded me of Yatwer and the Yatwerian cult. Because I feel like they're always talking about what's given is what's received or some shit. Or what, you can only give what is already given. I don't fucking know. Maybe I think somebody in chat might know or have thoughts on that. I highlight, highlighted that last thing that when women dip their cups in men, they only draw what's been stolen mm-hmm. as some very cool, profound-sounding sentence that I do not understand at all. Yeah, same. Yeah. I don't get it. I, I mean, I like. I did highlight the thing about her um, <clears throat> feeling like that the, her men clients were taking some part of her with them, and I wondered if that's like actually how sex workers would feel. I mean, I'm sure some do, mm-hmm. but it's like... I think that that's kind of an idea that men have or that maybe a lot of people no definitely a lot of people not just men have about sex workers or prostitutes that like you're whoring yourself out right Mm. that like you're giving yourself away or making yourself less valuable by banging a bunch of people or banging for money yeah and like i don't i mean i haven't done it so i don't i don't know if it actually feels like that like yeah it could also it could feel like you're just clocking in for like your warehouse job mm-hmm. too you know yeah because it is selling your time and your body in the same way that like capitalism uses our time and our bodies for lots of other jobs yeah i just haven't really had capitalism use my penis very much that i know of yeah um yeah but it also says that no there's they they don't um i don't know it's but yeah, someone will have to give me their take, give us their take on that. They only draw what's been stolen, thing. Yeah, 
I wonder if it's like men think that they're superior to these women because of like, you know, they're paying them for the privilege and it's mm. like a luxury and I don't know, but really they don't actually have a leg up on the women. Yeah. Yeah. The secret power type of, type of thing that mm-hmm. you've talked about. Yeah. I think that's probably accurate. All this giving and taking shit gets obscure. Mostly goes over my head. Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Oh, there's a good quote I remember because it's in some Thou lyrics, but it's from the second series. It's a Baker line, though. It's from... I'm going to forget it now. It's like, uh, from seed to womb, from seed to furrow, the right hand cannot give to the left. Yeah. Which... I also mostly don't know what yeah, that means I at all. I love that. I love that quote. Uh-huh. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember. I think I texted you about it. Oh, probably. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm with you, Kelp Frond. Um, and I think we can proceed onward. <laughs> uh, there's some crazy shit here, right, right below. Um, so she's reflecting, let's see, about a Kidra Hill Calvaryman the one she had thought she loved, who came to her a second time without any recollection of the first. Bummer. (laughs) And he says, you must be mistaken, he had exclaimed. I'd remember a beauty such as you. Rough. And then she says, or she thinks, then she had given birth to her daughter. Okay. This is is a daughter in Kidra Hills. To Kidra (laughs) Hills? I'm proud. I don't know. Is that my Mara's dad? Uh, I mean, uh, it, it's more likely than a lot of people because it seems to fit the time frame better. Yeah, because he comes back a second time. And then Baker in the footnote says precisely nine months later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, where? What? <laughs> oh, no, I just thought that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it fits the time frame better than a commune. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then she says some super nihilist shit. Bum me out. She knew now, however, that it had simply marked the transition from one set of self-deceptions to another. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> just a bummer. You could really start thinking that everything is just a self-deception. You're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But who, who wants the truth, you know? Yeah, ignorance is life. Um, yeah, commune. <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, you remember that book... That I think it was right before I moved back here, but I was texting you about a lot called Conspiracy Against the Human Race. It was the yeah. Lagodi book. Yeah. Um, I've just been thinking about that a lot, and I think I'm going to read it again, but <laughs> I don't know. I've been vibing with the nihilist stuff lately, and mm-hmm. just the thing that he constantly repeats in that is that consciousness is the parent of all horrors. I love that line. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. That seems to be very um, fucking... Uh, prevalent in this universe here. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so she. There's a lot we could talk about. Esmond's musings all night. We may want to. She be musing. Yeah, she muses a lot, but that's okay. There's Esmond thinking about a bunch of stuff, and then there's like Kamian and Zynemus thinking about a bunch of stuff. Yeah, in this chapter. I love their back and forth, dude. Mm-hmm. They love each other. Oh so yeah, sweet. Uh huh. Zynemus is an interesting character. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. Then she goes to the village. Should we talk about the village, or do you have more about 
her musings. No, there's just so many good lines that I don't get. Like, yeah. profound words um, that I, you know, I'll probably have to read this again at some point and think about it more, you know, see what blog posts might, or blog or Reddit or whatever people might have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm ready to go to the village. Where are we at? The encounter with the shitty kids yeah with the shitty kids they say are you a whore he asks baldly um so just like fuckhead kid i guess <clears throat> this reminded me of the the kid in men, the movie men oh yeah there's like, this yeah okay. there's this kid who asks this woman it's like you play hide and seek with me which is pretty weird oh he's sitting on the steps of a church right yeah and she's like no and he's like you're a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, what? Okay. It is. It is like that. Yeah. Big shithead kid energy. Yeah. But scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these guys get scary real quick mm-hmm. with the stones. Yeah. They start immediately, like, fucking with her, throwing stones at her. Um, one of them says, she is, she is, she is a horror from Sumna. That's why she hides her hand. Um, and then Esmeralda just pops back and says, don't you have stalks or stalls to muck slave? Her, her tone sneered. Yeah. She gets them pretty good a couple times. Oh, for sure. G- tells them, go finger your chimney. <laughs> <laughs> Zanima says the, um, zingers later in this chapter too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's There's got some, he a lot does. of like, uh, reflections or whatever similarities in the yeah. two halves of the chapter. Yeah, there are. Um, um, but it does not go well. Actually, she fucking throws the first effective missile that draws uh, some blood. Nice. And then it pops off. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm wondering, like, just how many stones are around in about. villages. <laughs> yeah. Are about. Yeah. I swear there's been times, like, it was the other day when we were skating and I was looking for pebbles to throw up to the bats. Yeah. There was like, nope, I couldn't find any good pebbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but in medieval worlds where someone needs to be stoned, there's always just like... There's plenty. Yeah. I mean, go figure, in a fictional world, there's enough good stones, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Kind of made me think. And then also kind of made me think of like some of the weirdness in like 2020 with the George Floyd uprising where people would just, like, mysteriously leave, like, a pallet of bricks near something. Mm-hmm. Like, I saw where, like, police dropped off a pallet of bricks near a building to try to, like, bait people into smashing it. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, uh, I don't know. I mean, there could also be other bricks in, uh, other brick dropper offers that are for the cause, too. It's not all inside jobs. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, confirmed, Jeff, there are no rocks in Tennessee. Wow, there are no rocks in Tennessee, yeah. No, it's that everything's one big rock. Well, we were in a parking lot. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, in my backyard, um, I, you know, I was trying to grow, like, those oyster mushrooms, and mm. my bucket got all moldy, and so I dug a little bit into the ground in my backyard to put all the stuff and then put dirt over it, and it's like six inches no like four inches of dirt and then just giant like rock floor mm-hmm. yeah it, we got rocks just one big rock yeah that's my theory yeah 
That's a good. That's a good theory. Third rock from the put sun. Some, put some baking soda on it, and you can rock it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sorry. Pyrex. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the Migos. Uh huh. The Migos. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm horrible. Nah. Uh, Kelfron refrains. These books don't feel nihilistic to me, even though a lot of people describe them like that. Yeah. Like the quote says, the books are constantly stimulate, sti- stimulating your moral sensibilities and inviting you to make judgments, and then pulling the rug out from under you by showing the situation is more complicated than your initial judgment. You're constantly thinking about morality while reading these books. That is very accurate. That's that's a great mm-hmm. that's great commentary. Yeah, I agree with you. I guess my response would be my, my limited knowledge of like nihilist philosophy would be that it's just like these books contain a lot of that type of stuff mm-hmm. where it's more it's not saying nothing ever matters or everything sucks necessarily thomas Ligotti would say everything sucks yeah but um i think it's like just generally a more cynical outlook on things or a more you know perhaps realistic way of examining the world or suffering in the world yeah might be you know deemed as like nihilistic but in the sense of the word like for philosophy Mm -hmm. but i'm not a phd minus dissertation guy (laughs) you know (laughs) i've just read i read a Camus book and i read a Ligotti book Mm -hmm. and then i've tried to read other stuff but i don't understand it so yeah yeah. i've read like the tiniest bit of nietzsche Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I'm way too suicidal for this. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But yeah, Kelfron, I mean, I agree. I don't think, I definitely don't think these books are any one thing either. Like, yeah, that's at true. At all. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff. I'm good. Thank you. Crack another brewski. Yeah, man. <laughs> totally. Um, so, at one point, this is, this. is I thought this was funny. When uh, the fat one guffawed? No, it's whenever she... Um, <laughs> Huzzah and guffaw. She, the fool threw, um, the fool threw as though his arm were made of rope, <laughs> but some, some grit momentarily blinded her. I just wrote pocket sand. Oh yeah. The fistful of dirt in yeah, your face. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. There's some funny shit in here. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. Esmanette used to make money by throwing bread at seagulls or no throwing stones at scavenging seagulls. Right? I totally missed that. Dude, it's Who's so... paying her to throw a little... I, I would do that. I don't know. Okay, she said <laughs> she raised another stone in her right hand, hoping they would duck and run. As a child, before her body bid her to do other vocations, she had worked the wharves, earning bread or quarter coppers by throwing stones at scavenging goals. She had been very good. <laughs> That's just like a little Easter egg. Yeah, dude, I mean... Just fucking one-shotting birds. <laughs> <laughs> just annihilated. She's like, the, <laughs> all of the kids in the village are, like, pointing at her like she's the best one. Yeah. You ask who's yeah. the... Who's she the, wins the contest. Who's the biggest goal sniper in <laughs> Sumna? <laughs> she fucking rips. Getting her rocks off. I love it. Um... And then, okay, so yeah, they're back and forth, but eventually, I mean, she gets, she gets pwned a little bit. Yeah. Um, somebody comes up 
it's it's a priest, and she I think momentarily thinks maybe he's gonna help her, but oh like, yeah, pretty soon realizes that he's bad news. Yeah, I don't know. That made me think of a movie we watched together yeah, too. Definitely, like yeah, yeah, for sure. We don't have to go too much into it, but I agree. That's gonna be another thing we rave, or at least I rave about to everybody that nobody understands because nobody saw it. Yeah, it's gonna be. That movie and then these books. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, we're gonna have to do an episode on men. Yeah, uh, that would be a really sticky situation. I'm not like a feminist theorist. Probably would put my foot in my mouth a lot. But anyway, he talks. Oh, he says, uh, "Suffer not a whore to live." The old priest recited, "For she maketh the pit a pit of her womb." That's some just some lore. It's like straight the, up Bible stuff, right? Yeah, I I don't know if that's a direct quote, but it sounds very biblical. Yeah, I don't know the Bible hardly at all, but yeah. Yeah. Agreed. What's up, Meg? What's up, Meg? The priest, like, thinks that, uh, I mean, he he thinks he's better than her, which is, like, obvious, because he, you know, in their world, he's a priest, he's a man of God, and she's a whore. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, interesting to me just to think about it, because he's acting like a really shitty person. Mm. Um, and, like, I don't know. I think that he thinks his authority is given to him by God, so it's like he doesn't have to be responsible for his actions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's he's not thinking about, like, I am going to hurt this poor woman with a stone and yelling at her. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and what is it? I don't know. Making her embarrassed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just that, like, I don't know. I don't know if I really have anything to say about that. It's just that, like, God entitles um, the people to act the way that they they do. And mm-hmm. just obviously made me think about um, <clears throat> the fucking Supreme Court last week or mm. this week, you know? Yeah. Where it's, you know, God is giving people the authority to do stuff. Yeah. Which is weird because, like humans wrote all the books right all the the bible and i don't know i guess that it gets down to what you believe mm-hmm. and then it's impossible to argue with belief yeah for sure yeah no i think it i think it's interesting to think about it's like um god has almost a similar disinhibiting effect that like alcohol does or something mm-hmm. it, like limits or it opens up a gate of restrained that you might have once had if you feel like god's on your side then you can do some crazy wild shit yeah because that's like eternal i don't know eternally backing you up yeah no that's very well said that also um is just exactly what the holy war is yeah totally yeah. this is yeah damn dude oh god bring yeah. it back around come on dude. <laughs> no it is though <clears throat> the whole folly of it all is that they think that they're like they're good mm-hmm. but they all get f- fucking fucked <laughs> yeah. like worse than they could even ever imagine yeah um Saul King says that Christopher Hitchens always said that religion causes otherwise moral people to do very immoral things yeah I uh haven't read Christopher Hitchens but um Mm-mm. there's a POS song the rapper POS where he goes rather be discussing Christopher Hitchens or how to make bombs with shit you find in your kitchen. Ah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of Christopher Hitchens. 
I think I've heard that quote. It's a very good quote. Mm-hmm. Damn. Um, but everybody gets on the side of the religion, whether or not they actually care about um, her being a sinful whore they, mm. or just wanting to fucking break, I don't know, their boredom and yeah. attack this woman. Right. Esmanette. And, uh, yeah, she's getting pwned, like you said. Um, she's getting pwned with, bombarded with small river round stones. So they're not like, <laughs> it's not like, oh, well, at least they're not fucking sharp rocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that actually comes down to it, but yeah. that thought <laughs> crossed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Check out Kelpron. At least our scriptures weren't written by greased and pendulous <laughs> aliens. I know, but what if they were? Hey. Hey. They may be. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> they may be. Yeah, exactly, that we know of. These are stone stones. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hey, it's getting so real right now. You rock, rock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some uh, there's some good stuff in this chapter. Yeah. Uh we should keep going. Yeah, we should. Um, Esmeralda says some sad shit. She says, enough, I am damned, don't you see I'm already dead? Yeah, because it's like, I keep forgetting the word, it's humiliating. It's mm-hmm. not just painful, it's humiliating. Yeah, definitely. And that is a, a wound upon a wound upon a wound upon a pendulous, greased phallus. <laughs> and then Sarcellus comes along. Mm-hmm. Yet another man slash skin spy. Yeah. Question mark. Is he a skin spy? At this I think point? he's a skin spy. His like teeth make her feel good. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, his later teeth? on she's like, I'm not I can't put, quite put my finger on it, but it's either his, his nose good. or his mouth that like makes her feel good or something. I don't know. We'll get <laughs> Show to me it. your mouth. <laughs> Show me your mouth. Uh I think he's a skin spy though, because he brings up um well because I think we established it back in another chapter where he pops up, but he brings up it's like, do you know of the uh, of any schoolmen? And like, kind of brings up a commune in yeah. a, a, a obscure way. Yeah. But yeah, he comes into her rescue, which is interesting. I mean, it also makes sense that um, he would come rescue her if he knew who she was and if he was a skin spy because she's like a source. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what it's called? Like a yeah yeah Re- a sp- like a spy resource yeah. And yeah, shit, shit, and then with the authority, <laughs> rock, rock. <laughs> yeah, dude. She says, "Okay, sorry." With the authority stuff, um, he's yelling at the men who are beating her up, um, or throwing rock. I can't remember exactly how they are, but um, or whatever where they are blocked out in the scene. But they're like, "You don't have the authority, man." And he's just like authority with his fists. I'm picturing is like you want to talk about authority. Yeah, it makes me think of the um, power is power quote from uh, Game of Thrones. Mm. Um, Dang. Yeah, where I can't remember. Do you remember that though? Mm, no. Who said it? Uh, Cersei. So Littlefinger mm. is being is like says something like knowledge is power or something like that. Yeah. Intellect is power, and then she's like tells the her um, the guards to be like arrest this man and they like go and grab like you know a bunch of big dudes grab yeah. him and 
I think she basically is like, okay, you can go like put him in prison or go kill him or whatever. And then she's like, nope, second thought, let him go. And then they let him go. And then she goes, power is power. Damn. And I'm like, that's a greased and pendulous. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Oh man. Yeah. That makes me want to read Game of Thrones. I like Cersei, even though she's fucking horrible. Yeah. She wild. Um, played by Pedro Pascal. Sarcellus is Pedro Pascal. I can picture it. He's also in Game of Thrones. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just like her, him like picking her up out of the dirt. It almost makes me think of the Mandalorian, even though I haven't seen it, but just, it's like, he's the bounty hunter dude. Yeah. It's very Western vibe. Yeah. So there's dirt and dust and rocks. Probably a lot of rocks. Pick him up so I can hit him again. Dude, I would, like, oh man, I would love to punch out that priest. Yeah. I I feel, Uh, um, yeah. I want to get in a fight with, with, with somebody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it's been on my mind too. Uh, she, she gets up. Um, and she's kind of overwhelmed, not understanding why someone is like standing in for her. Mm-hmm. Also, she's probably got like a concussion. Oh, for sure. But she glimpsed the Shroud Knight striking the priest again and then cursed herself for flinching. Why should she pity that obscene ingrate? She breathed deeply. Hmm. Um, calm. I that too. Yeah. All I'm, right, I'm into like it. That. Yeah. And then she turns to the youth who had started it all, glared at him with all the hate she could muster. And then slipped her pinky finger from the others so that it wagged like a tiny phallus. <laughs> so, so dope. She really stooped down to his level on that one. Mm-hmm. And I think it got him, too. She glanced down to be sure he noticed and then smiled at him wickedly. The boy paled. Yeah. I bet all the blood went to his wang. <laughs> yeah. And his friends make fun of him, too, I think. Or they, like, notice Oh, him. yeah. Which just shows how fickle they are anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah Yeah. oh oh this is this is some funny shit oh wait no never mind sorry it's later on i won't say it no not funny can i say it (laughs) (laughs) yeah of course go for it whenever a commune okay so this is later on a commune uh meets up with zynemus and they're they're stoked and Zynemus says, you smell like an ass's ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then he says, like the stink of stink, which I thought was... <laughs> the stones The stone. stones of stones. <laughs> the stink of stink. <laughs> I just love that. I want it. I highlighted that too. I want to call somebody an ass's ass. I, I like that. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, let's hit the um, Akamian portion because... That's it, dude. The end of the Esmanet one is just him saying i am sarcellus <laughs> yeah yeah she reached up and he took her tattooed hand mm-hmm. Ugh. um a commune's thinking about some stuff yeah the dirt his journey troubled him yep um this is like just completely aside but it's talking about how he scratched absently at the dead skin a commune knew perpetually bedeviled his ears <laughs> I was thinking, okay, a commune has eczema confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> and what ramifications that has for the entire... No, I'm just kidding, but I did have that thought. And then I just finished this book, uh, Dreamer of Dune, this last week. Mm. It's um, Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son, 
his biography of his dad. Hmm. Yeah, it's really good. It's pretty long. Nobody has ever loved their father as much as Brian Aww. Herbert loved Frank Herbert. Aww. And Frank Herbert was a big weirdo. Yeah. Which is probably not surprising. But anyway, uh, Frank Herbert's wife died, Beverly, um, mm-hmm. who was also his writing, writing partner. Um, she, yeah, got like a heart disease and died at 55. It was really, really sad. But yeah. um, he got a really bad sunburn right after she died. Who did, uh, Frank, Frank, Frank did? Frank did? Yeah. Um, because they lived in Hawaii, and I don't know, I guess he just had to, like, do a lot of moving stuff or something. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't even really know why he mentioned it, like, the author, Brian, but he talks about, like, probably three or four times about his, like, the scaly skin on his dad's forehead, and he had to, like, keep using, like, ointment, like, yeah. medicated ointment as you, like, went to different, um book tour stops and stuff hmm. and it just made me think of that that's interesting yeah and it's such insult to injury too yeah herbert yeah um so he's got a has <laughs> got eczema though it's not a sunburn yeah um somebody makes the sign of the tusk can you remind me what that is uh no <laughs> is it somebody doing the nike Probably, yeah, probably. Did you do it with Just your pendulum? Some type of pendulous wang. Uh-huh. No, I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of like the symbol of the cross or something. Yeah, I'm just wondering what it would look like if they describe it or not. I remember I they know. have like the Ash Wednesday thing where they put... Yeah. Or is that... It might be the sickle. That's the sickle from the um, Kianin woman mm. that finds a commune in the desert or the beach or whatever after he fights Zayas. Mm, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I think that's them. Yeah. And then there's, I don't know, there's some drawing in dirt and in ash. Yeah. But, I don't know, I just wanted to see if you remembered what, Mm-mm. how one makes the sign of the tusk. No, I don't. But, we get to meet Zynemus. Mm-hmm. And we love him. Um, apparently, Zynemus and Akamian look exactly the same. <laughs> Or at least look similarly. That's funny. I didn't catch that, but I, uh, it makes sense. Yeah. I just picture, I think a commune's balding, right? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds right. I think he is, but I pictured Zynemus for some reason as having no hair. I like, picture well, him having beard. no eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Rough. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. Having no hair, you said? Uh... Totally bald head, big beard. Yeah. Big ratty, dirty beard. I can see that. Hmm. I just see two pits where his eyes used to be. <laughs> Sightless pits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're homies. They talk about some of their good times. Um, Akamian kind of thinks, he thinks to himself that he's surprised that Zynemus didn't call him Siswatha. So I guess Akamian's just feeling really schizophrenic hmm. in general. During these times, yeah, uh, yeah. Do you have any? Um, I wrote some, or I underlined that part about the gnosis too. Okay, for sure. Well, <laughs> just real quick, it talks about how the commune and Zynemus know each other, and they're connected through Proyas. The mm-hmm. commune was the tutor of Proyas, and Zynemus was the swordmaster. Uh, kind of made me think of Dune. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Sufir Hawat and Gurney Halleck, I believe, are the guys. Yep. Which are, uh, Patrick Stewart is the, um, is Gurney Halleck and the Hmm. David Lynch dude. Yeah. And he's got a battle pug. Yeah. That's so funny, dude. I know. What a fucking weird movie. Oh, and he he goes, uh, moods are for cattle and love play. And, uh, I just barely got that joke, like, last week, because Moo is in mood, and so it's for cattle. All right. (laughs) Unless cows are, like, famously, like, emotional. (laughs) Yeah. I think they do. Are they kind of emotional? Uh, Enough to not want to be tortured and eaten. (laughs) Dude, so... You know how I got obsessed with hockey pretty, like, quickly this year? Um, I just was watching a lot of just random videos and interviews and stuff, and they were asking hockey players what they would ask their pets if their pets could talk. Mm -hmm. And one guy goes that he would ask his pet if he had feelings. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you fucking idiot. Like, do you not think your pet has feelings? <laughs> what do you do to your pet? Like, do you let your pet out? I don't get when people say that animals don't have emotions because it's like so obvious to me. Yeah, that's funny. I didn't yeah. even know that people said that. Uh, I feel like I've heard it a lot, but I couldn't tell you who yeah. said that. Yeah, we'll track them. Down. Human supremacists. Yeah. Ignorance is life. That's right. But yeah, what did you think about this? quote the gnosis is irons is iron to the scarlet spires bronze um i just thought it was very illuminating that's the gnosis is way more powerful yeah just a good example yeah it's weird though it kind of took it back in a way to me in my mind it mm-hmm. said somewhere it says that um gnosis is the only thing that could match up to the um anagogis mm-hmm. which I don't know, maybe I was trying, I was taking the words too specifically, because maybe it is the only thing that could counter them, but I thought that it was, like, just vastly, like, overpowering. Yeah. I don't know. From this quote, you would think that, but I don't know. I also don't really know anything about metals. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it took a long time to get from bronze to, I don't fucking know. Yeah. We have any historians in here? Well, there's... Alloys and I don't know. Thuniersis? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's I highlighted some good names. We got yeah. Zencapa and Dinchesis. Yeah, I like Dinchesi. Um, um vi- video game Jeffy says, What does it mean when an animal acts human like? Hmm. I mean just acts like an animal but a human relates to it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We see ourselves in the animals and like Man, this is another thing, but um, I read this book called Suicidal that was all about suicide, and it talked about, first chapter was, do animals commit suicide? Mm. And My like, bunny did one time. <laughs> Wait, how did that happen? It's a long story. Okay. It killed itself. Wait, we talked about this, because yeah. Jim Jones was a yeah, soul yeah, monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, basically... Like, some animals do in, seem to intentionally die. Like, they'll just stop eating. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. But, um... Oh, yeah, and then I went on my rant about lemmings. But <laughs> we can't, um... We have a theory of mind, which is, like, how we think that mind... How we see minds as being structured and organized or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just can't, like, understand how an animal's mind works. Yeah. Did um, we get into that? 
Maybe. I have so much to say about that. Oh, can we get into it? No, did we? I can't remember. I feel like we talked about it a lot. I would like to talk about that, but probably not. I can't. I can't do it right now. Okay. You know? Sure. Uh, yeah. Bronze to iron, iron to steel. That's what salt says. Okay. Yeah. And then Jeff remarks that the Gnosis is overpowered. Kind of like Esmonette's superior goal sniping skills. (laughs) Dude, I had a terrible thought joke that I guess I'm going to say about Esmonette getting blisters on her foot. Uh She she has um, soft feet because she spends all her time on her back. Yeah. She has soft soft feet. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, cause, especially because she's never run around in fields. Well, yeah, literally, but, yeah. Yeah. Also, I thought that her cardio would be pretty good, though. Yeah, true. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, Jeff says we can't understand non-men because we don't have, we don't know their theory of mind. Hmm. Dude, I appreciate you saying that because um, cause that makes sense to me and yeah. I like it. I mean, I always kind of assume we, like, since non-men are humanoid-ish. Yeah. I'm like, okay, they're going to be weird, but, like, kind of project. Mm-hmm. But maybe they really are more unknowable. Yeah. They could be. And by maybe, I mean, I think they probably are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one moment. I'm going to go get some blueberries. Okay. <clears throat> I'll be some right back. Bluettes. I require a snack. <clears throat> I'll be right back. Okay. So, yeah, speaking of the, um, the Gnosis is the OP, uh, <clears throat> it's talking about how a commune is an enemy of the Scarlet Spires, and, um, all of the schools, but all of the schools, but of all of the schools, only the Mandate had the Gnosis, um, which was a match for the Scar- Scarlet Spires, so... Yeah, I mean, I think that it's they're more than a match for sure, but um, that's not necessarily relevant because we kind of feel that we definitely get shown that later. Um, but Zynemus is introducing himself to—I mean, introducing a commune to his friends or his like compatriots—and um, you know, people are prejudiced against schoolmen, against sorcerers. Um, which I kind of feel like a commune should probably be, like, over at this point. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's a bad can of worms to go down. But it's just like, nah, uh, a commune doesn't doesn't take much issue with it himself. But, um, Eryesis <clears throat> Ir- Ir- <laughs> Ir- um, comes out of commune and he goes... May the gods drink deep, Drusus Akamian. May they celebrate one who is damned. And then Zynemus leaps up, instinctively beating at his hair. Oh, no, wait. He kicks the fire, which engulfs... Irius. How the fuck do you say that word? Which one? I-R-Y-S-S-A-S. Hmm, I don't know. Um, he invoked... Or, uh engulfs the antagonist man and he's like <laughs> what you say what you say I, know, I love it yeah and I was thinking he like, loves a commune yeah 
get with yourself a fiery a, passion. Get yourself a friend who will like immediately try to fight somebody for your honor. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like when you don't even say anything at all. Yeah. And I thought that was so cute. Um Earth rope. Love. <laughs> and then Din Chazies tries to um throw his homie under the bus. Mm-hmm. He looked to Kami and apologetically and says, We're not with him, we're just pissed drunk. Which um was Dustin Dolan's birthday yesterday. Oh yeah. My least favorite skater of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Ring says he found how to make the sign of the tusk. Also, Jeff says anagogic is like the D and D magic. And Gnostic magic is like sci-fi laser magic. Ulysses. Let's see. Your, Ulysses. I don't see an L in it though. Silent L. No way. (laughs) No way. Is this gonna turn out to be like porn or something? (laughs) I hope not. But we gonna we gonna watch. Oh, is this ASL? What is that? American Sign Language. As in animal... Oh, dude, this is about to be fucking lit. <laughs> it's sort of like the... Oh, we're gonna have that on repeat. Also, if you are stroking two pendulous phalluses at the same time. True. Damn, is that what Baker intended? Dude, is that person related to Steve Jobs? Maybe. Or... They shop at the same store as Steve Jobs. They kind of look like a the open skin spy. <laughs> is that this, up? this poor person is like doing their life's work making a visual translator. For yeah, that's really cool, actually. <laughs> no, and there's nothing wrong with this translator. I'm just no, no. We we love we love this translator. Yeah, Salt King thought it um, had the two arch phallus um, look too. Uh huh. Oh yeah, Meg says. Uh, what about Bam Margera? What about him? I don't get it. Um, not your least favorite skater? Oh, no. Bam's cool because he's so, like, he sucks. <laughs> you know? no, what does that mean? I don't know. He's a legend. <clears throat> Dustin Dolan sucks. <laughs> In a bad way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Get the audiobooks. You'll get pronunciations for everything. Best way to reread. Dude. Boy, we got those. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. I mean, the problem is me. No. It's Woody Brain is what um, we call it sometimes, but Canoe yeah. Canoe Brain. Huh? Canoe Brain. How so? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's funny, dude. I, I, I mean, I appreciate you trying to give us solutions, but I listened to this chapter about two hours ago. I immediately <laughs> forgot it. Yeah. No, but the... Audiobooks are awesome. Yeah, and Zynemus, again, I don't know if this is accurate at all, because I'm terrible at, I don't know why I said again, I'm terrible at impressions, so I'm not going to do one, but Zynemus's narrator's accent makes me think of fucking Sean Connery. Yeah. Just like a, like, or a cartoon Scottish person or something. Mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. into it. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. What else we got going on? Some good campfire stuff. Mm-hmm. They're hanging out. Yeah, and they're ribbing a commune for being a sorcerer still, but they're, like, accepting him now. Yeah, because they're fucking... Zynemus whipped him in the shape real quick. Yeah. Right? I don't think I've ever kicked a fire. I shot a fire with a shotgun once. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that go? <laughs> really bad, dude. <laughs> really, really bad. What happened? It was the most redneck thing I've ever done in my whole life. Nice. 
It caught an entire like world on fire. <laughs> oh shit! It was crazy. It was fucking crazy, dude. We were at we were at Braxton's like farm. Uh huh. And we were just being like eighteen or like seventeen years old, not doing drugs. We were sober, mm-hmm. and we made a fire. And also, we were shooting. Shotguns. Just I, had a shotgun. I just didn't have a frontal lobe or whatever. <laughs> just shot the shotgun into the fire and it just exploded all over this like dry ass field. And we lit like four acres on fire. It was horrible. It was horrible. Do you have to call the fire department? No, it went out. <laughs> it was terrible, dude. We tried our best to contain the the flames. Wait, is this thing making noise? I hope it's not making noise. <laughs> it's, like, it's like making horrible noises. Is it? I can't hear it. No, I don't think so. I would assume if it's sign language, there wouldn't be a noise, because... That's true. No, we're good. Um, <clears throat> I, at this party once when I was 18, I was talking to this guy, and he confessed to me that he started a forest fire. Oh, God. <laughs> On purpose? <laughs> no, he wasn't thinking it was also the frontal lobe thing. Yeah. I mean, I was 18, he was probably 23, so I thought he was like... That thing was almost fully cooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, um, you know cottonwood trees? Yeah. So they have the cotton stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was in Utah, and it's really dry there, like, all the time. So I guess he, you can burn the cotton, and it, like, poofs out real mm-hmm. quick. And he just did that to a field. Yeah. And he didn't think about. Yeah. Yeah. And it just fucking went up. And then he immediately got in his car and started booking (laughs) it out of there. And he said he saw, um, like, the fire truck or, I don't know, the, like, forest service truck with how, I don't know how they respond to fires, but just blazing past it. Oh, that's so scary. And, like, you can get in huge trouble for starting forest fires. Reasonably so. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't think that was like one of the more destructive ones, but yeah, <laughs> that's so wild. Dude. It was like one of those things where, I don't know, like whether you're drinking or not, it's like late at night and you get a little bit less, um, inhibited and yeah. you just like let out something that you should probably never tell anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um, Jeff points out it's the first campfire scene. Oh yeah. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a sweet little... There's few pleasures in this book. <laughs> the campfire scenes are one of them. Mm-hmm. We get a couple more good roasts. Zynemus calls Ariasis, um a besotted fool. Mm-hmm. And he says, look at your eyes. More squint than a monkey's asshole. <laughs> yeah. I, I think in that he was referring to how drunk he was, probably. Oh, uh, okay. That's what I, I'm hoping that. I think because, yeah, they're like fucking wasted. Yeah. And uh, the heavy drinking, um, once at once intensifies and deadens the dreams in capital for a commune, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting to me. And I thought it was really cool that Baker would uh, include this, you know? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I can't, I don't know how alcohol affects dreams in our world, but I know that people that smoke a lot of weed tend to not have dreams or not remember their dreams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it, it dulls. Yeah, because 
I would I would assume that because you don't um, get as deep of sleep with alcohol in your system. Yeah. But I don't know. There's also the intensifying aspect of it too. Yeah. Like sometimes nap in even short naps, I'll have crazy vivid dreams. Yeah. So I don't know how sleep works. Yeah. <clears throat> we need a sleepologist. Yeah. Uh, then what happens? Well, they're talking about the holy war and. Zynemus is like, you were at the Hagurna? Yeah, and he's like, shaking my head. Hagurna is just one of my favorite words in this zone. Yeah, Hagurna be kidding me. (laughs) That's a good one. Oh, what did you write for this one? Uh, Rank something. I don't know, it wasn't very funny. I apologize (laughs) for it. Um, Well, I think we get into Benjuka and sort of that whole zone. Mm -hmm. We're in zones now. Yes. What do you think about Benjuka? I fucking want to play it so bad. I wish there was a way to play it. I don't. Has, has anyone made a Benjuka? That would be so cool. I mean, it, it's a. It's really sweet. It's like bending the rules, and I don't know, making your own rules, but then that being an okay thing to do in the world of Benjuka. It's more about heart than intellect. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, again, like I said at the very beginning, I have a really hard time imagining how this works, which is fine with me, but yeah, it would kind of be cool if I like could conceive of it being, like, I wonder what it would be like, what in our world we can connect it to. I think maybe we talked about it in another chapter and someone said it's like chess and go mixed together. Hmm. Or maybe that's Savas, the one from the Song of Ice and Fire books. Yeah. I can't remember. Have but, you seen New yeah. Girl? I think I asked you this last time. No, I haven't. But um, they play a game that seems a lot like Benjuka and New Girl. Oh, is it a fictional game? Yeah. Okay. It's called True American. Okay. <laughs> In that same hockey player interview, like just it was asking hockey players random questions. One guy says that New Girl is very underrated. New Girl's fucking awesome. <laughs> I fucking love New Girl for sure. Um, alright, we got some we got some stuff from Kelp over here. <clears throat> a commune had almost forgotten what it was like watching men about their fires. The arms folded against the chill, the mouth smiling, laughing, tongue and teeth peeking in and out of the fire of light. The gazes hopping from face to face within the cage of camaraderie, only to return to the furnace coals during the inevitable lulls. At first it struck him as something fearful, an exposing of what humans do when they turn their backs to the world, their inferiority laid bare. Is this from... Yeah, dude, that's that's beastly. <clears throat> their inferiority laid bare to the vaults of dark infinity, cracked open like oysters, with no walls save a warlike nature. But as the moments passed, he found the sight more and more affecting, to the point of feeling old and maudlin. That in a place so vast and so dark creatures this frail would dare gather about sparks called light. They seemed at once precious and imperiled, like jewels mislaid across open ground. Something sure to be scooped up by jealous enormities. Yeah, that is like fucking MLB heavyweight champ (laughs) riding. (laughs) Yeah, that's That's beautiful. Seriously, super beautiful. Um, It's getting cosmic. It's cosmic. But it's also... Um, holistic. Yeah. <laughs> and rigor, no, it's arduous it and rigorous. Dude, that's an arduous passage, but it does, makes me feel like I'm out of fire. And I, I don't know, it's so cool the way he writes. 
Um, I get to experience what he's writing very well. Yeah. There's this... Um, I can't remember the philosopher. It might even be like a nihilist philosopher, you know, with the quote-unquote nihilist mm-hmm. for philosophy. But there's this idea called the singular universal where um, it's like the essence of a greater thing can be contained within a smaller thing. So this is, I heard it, I learned it on podcast too, and they use the example of a pen. So in um, this pen, you can see like the history of chemistry with all of the different mm. elements and molecules that were put together and in and like um, the industrial revolution and like machinery and everything like maybe even um, computer intelligence programming how to make these on assembly line basically that like it's a fractal thing again mm-hmm. it's the marvel on the cat's <clears throat> fucking collar and men in black you know how mm-hmm. there's another universe in there yeah I mean that's not exactly what this is saying but I think that it kind of does go from in the paragraph from a commune seeing the furnace coals and seeing like the essence of what parts of like and element of human nature um being revealed and then it also zooms out into the universe and it's like i don't know i think about the sparks being like stars and lightning bugs being kind of like that too you know Mm -hmm. yeah dude totally i mean that's a very um well like tech night han always kind of talks about how you know everything we interact with every person we interact with is an expression of literally everything else Mm -hmm. and like <clears throat> you can't not exist at any point like when you die it's not a big deal because it's like who's who's dying mm-hmm. and like where are the clouds where are the ground where are the grass and everything um and yeah I like that like you can I mean in that process like seeing the pen and knowing all the work that came into or all the experience that led up to it being here mm-hmm. it's a very like there's a deep bowing to existence in that I feel like yeah. Like acknowledging all of the, the toil and there's just just the, um, the probability of us like being born in this universe is, like super low, and like it's, I don't know there's a some there's an immensity to it, a great immensity <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the stony stone yeah there's a stone stone to it, um sponsored by Nashville Smiles Creation, <laughs> just kidding sorry that's okay. Pay us. Pay us. Um, Pay for our Spotify. So you could say that our ass, your ass is grass. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm getting all wanky with the phil- philosophy yeah. stuff, but I got another one that this thing of Benjuka, um, well, let me go to this first. It had been played um, since before the apocalypse, which was, what, it was like two either two or three thousand years before yeah multiple millennia um i don't know much about the history of other games but i know about tarot cards because i read tarot cards Mm -hmm. and they're only 600 years old yeah um and they come from playing cards which sometimes people think it's the opposite i did before i learned this but yeah playing cards um gave birth to tarot cards i guess yeah so, uh, you know, Western playing cards are older than 600 years. Yeah. I think Go is, like, a pretty long-practiced game. Mm. 
I don't know. I was just trying to figure out how long things have might have existed um, in the same form that we know them. Yeah. Like, could we play, uh, you know, chess against somebody a thousand years ago or not? Yeah. It's interesting to think about. Yeah, stuff is super young, comparatively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think we have a lot that's that old, except yeah. for, like, patriarchy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it describes, I mean, I think that it's kind of philosophical in how he is describing Ben Juca and the, the rules of the game. The rules were, were the game, mm-hmm. and if one played by different rules, then one simply played a different game. Yeah. Since a fixed framework of rules determined the meaning of every move as a move, games possessed a clarity that made life seem a drunken brawl by comparison. So, I kind of have no idea what that means. <laughs> but it made me think of this essay from um, this anthropo- anthropologist, rest in peace, named David Graeber. Mm-hmm. Super sick dude. He wrote the book Bullshit Jobs. Mm. It might be his most famous, but... Um, he also wrote one called Debt, The First 5,000 Years. And um, at the end of Bullshit Jobs, I think he has this uh, portion that's an essay you can read online called What's the Point If We Can't Have Fun? And it talks about play as an organizing principle of the universe where, mm. um, I don't know, he's going to say it better than I can ever say it, but just that kind of like all of our actions are can be play. We're mm. testing out how to, you know, thinking of like puppies or something yeah. testing out how to interact with the world and how your actions affect another person and you know i don't think that like puppies have are like inherently trying to kill much mm-hmm. you know so that perhaps we're not like i don't know the idea of like learning consequences and how our actions affect the world and shit and he goes into it but it also talks about play versus games and games are play that is like highly constricted by mm-hmm. agreed upon rules yeah because it's not fun if someone's cheating if you like agree to play a game mm-hmm. or if like you go to play soccer with somebody and they don't pay attention to any of the rules mm-hmm. or like aren't even like they're like not even in the game like a streaker running into the soccer <laughs> yeah. field or something like you could, could say that they're playing in a way and they're interacting with the game but mm-hmm. they're like not a part of the game at all yeah um because it doesn't fit within that like very tight framework of the game and just that kind of like the actions of greek gods and the gods in in this um universe are playing in a way where it's just like cruel and unthinking uncaring actions towards humans mm-hmm. i mean it's that's my take from our sense of morality but they're playing just causing chaos no rules or their own rules we don't know we're not like willing participants mm-hmm. versus um what is actually like enjoyable and like reciprocal is agreeing upon the rules so i don't know it made me think of that and benjuka being a game where it's complicated but things can shift and i don't know yeah it's trippy man you just popped off Thanks. I hope it made sense. But I think it made sense. Um, read David Graeber. It's not he. He's really smart, but he says things in ways that aren't like incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And bullshit jobs is about um, a bullshit job is not a bad job, which is a shit job. Mm. It's a job that has no impact on 
the world, good or bad. Mm -hmm. It started with a Twitter poll about whether or not you, it's like, do you think you have a job that affects neither good nor bad change mm -hmm. on the world? Hmm. And yeah, yeah, a lot of jobs are like that. People people think their jobs are like that. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. We should get back to it. Yeah, probably. What's uh? What's happening? Um. They talk about. Do they do Benjuka before they talk about Proyas or? Yeah. Do they talk about him afterwards. No, they. Uh, I think they talk about him after, if not in the middle. But they go through most of the Benjuka stuff. They mention a book called the Abenjuka, which is a classic text on mm -hmm. Benjuka, written by the. Who? The can it's from Canaan times. Yeah. Um then they talk about uh the vulgar holy war being destroyed. Yeah. A commune says, What? Yeah. That's what he said. And they so he's <laughs> learning that um Kelma Kelmamunis mm -hmm. just set out on the vulgar holy war, commune's learning that. Um and the commune says, You mean Proyas cousin? Um I just think it's sweet that Akamian knows so much about Proyas, like, you know, you know, like, I don't know any of your cousins. Oh, yeah. But I still love you. I love you, too. I don't know your cousins. Um, <laughs> but then he just says, Proyas had Kamamuna's wit, <laughs> which is wild. Yeah. Um, for impiety, no less. So Akamian's like, oh, shit, Proyas is super pious these days. Or, pious Proyas. Uh, pious Proyas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what we talked about the whipping scene in, an, in another episode mm -hmm. with uh, the chat. Yeah. Um, yeah, where it was like a kind of a courtly... Well, Proyas is overzealous in, in my mind, but about how it backfires back on uh, Kalmamunas and stuff like that. Yeah, because he does the like reciprocal... Kalmamunas gets the whip Proyas, mm -hmm. but each, each lash makes Kalmamunas more and more humiliated yeah um, to the point where he claims that Proyas had tricked him uh-huh he lashed away his last shreds of honor <laughs> so well said yeah um that's why he and a hundred thousand others are dead says Sainima <coughs> and Kamian just over and over again one hundred thousand dead <laughs> oh my god um I want to shout out something real quick that is aside from the plot but there's a line that says Akamian had fallen in love with the boy, the boy meaning Proyas, mm -hmm. who was said to be a godlike child. Pretty interesting. That is interesting. I, I didn't catch that. I didn't catch that until looking at it just right now. Yeah. But there's some, I don't know, hints towards pederasty in my mind hmm. again, you know. You could fall in love with someone, you know, with their, their being and yeah. have be non-sexual, but... I don't know, just with our, um, the other things that we, you know, made us suspect that Akamian was a boy diddler too. Yeah. Or that it's, you know, cultural to diddle and be diddled. Yeah. For some reason, this, that passage doesn't make me feel like that. I don't know. I think because Zynemus and he are just riffing about, like they're just reminiscing about their time teaching Proyas and stuff. Yeah. It just seems a little bit more wholesome. No, I, I don't know. I agree with you. I just think if you take the literal words, especially out of context, yeah. it could be used as another hint. Mm -hmm. 
that's not really relevant, but it popped up to me. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to that was wanted to say that was not relevant too was just a memory of um, Akami and where Proyas and here talking. Proyas says, "Master Akami, where have all the dragons gone?" Akami mm-hmm. says, "The dragons are within us, young Proyas, within you." Proyas is like, Meh. "It's like I don't feel a dragon in me, bro." Yeah. I mean, I just think that's cool, and it makes sense. Our inner demons and kind of, like, passions and drives and things that can be out of our control. Mm-hmm. Also, there are literal dragons in the world still that, you know, yeah. they, don't, they don't know about. Well, it made me think if there were at one time dragons that weren't, like, techne fucking monsters, you know? Yeah. Um, but Zynema said something cool. So, Akamian is kind of just reflecting on how... Um, the Holy War is already rife with politics and slander and stuff. And he thinks to himself, well, he actually says, but you, Zen, you do march for the latter prophet. How do all these vendettas and agendas make you feel? And Zynema says, you're right, of course. I should be outraged, but I guess I expected this to happen. To be honest, I worry more about what Proyas will think. Um, this made me think that Zynemus is very wise and very humble. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got a good grip on the way things actually are. Like He's not surprised that this whole thing is kind of a sham in a lot of ways. Yeah. But he's grounded in just worrying about Proyas and kind of wanting things to, to go along well. He's like a very good father figure for the camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um they're talking more about Proyas. They say, if Proyas is often unpra- unpractical, you fear that this game with the Emperor will provoke Proyas the judge rather than Proyas the tactician. Mm-hmm. I guess I skipped some, but they're trying to figure out the whole thing with um, how to, if they need to use the power of the Empire, mm-hmm. join with the Empire, which will mean having to sign the indenture and make concessions with uh, Zorias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they sum it up really nicely. Like, if there are any lingering questions about kind of what forces were working against one another, previously I feel like Baker does a good job of reiterating mm-hmm. and making sense of it. Making sense of the plan. Or at least Zynemus' plan. Yeah. Or, sorry, um, Zarias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of uh, Zynemus' Z and Zarias' X, mm-hmm. even though they both have uh, X names. Yeah. Not sure why. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting to be about that time. I think we should wrap it up quick. Yeah. So, um, I guess this seems to be going on at, at during Benjuka. Yeah. Because at the very end, Zynemus, um Well, sorry. A commune staring at the the board. He stared numbly at the silk silver and onyx geometries of the Manjuka plate, the abstractions. <laughs> he leaned forward, clutched the small sea-rounded stone. Oh, shit. And there were rounded sea stones that were hitting uh, Esmanet. Oh, stone stone. Dude, it's all relate. We're all one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the stone stone. Um, he threw the stone. Uh, the game suddenly seemed childish. So you concede, Zynemus asks. He sounded disappointed. He still thought he would win. I have no hope, Akamian replied. <laughs> so Akamian. Yeah. A man besieged. 
or he says he thinks about Proyas arriving. He's just really bummed about Proyas. But then we go uh, talking about Esme. It's the last part. She is basically just kind of in bed with Sarcellus, right? Or at least hanging out. Oh, they're in bed. Yeah. Yeah. And then she says, um, he smiled, and as always, she found herself at once thrilled and unsettled. Something about his teeth or his lips. (laughs) I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah. Uh, I think that's... We could put that in the book of Skins by Evidence. Yeah. Maybe uh, when you're... Stinky or <laughs> sexy lips and fucking teeth. Because they probably, like, have their crazy tech name, microbiome butthole things on you. Oh, so the unique breath? Yeah, like saying? they exhale some something. I don't, I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, they've got a... Dude, I don't know. My brain is literally done. I, don't, I have no idea. It's okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let, let us know if you've ever stared face-to-face with Skin Spy, if you can tell. Yeah. If a normal, uninitiated civilian can tell. Do you feel like Biden is a Skin Spy? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know either. I saw this Probably picture. Not. I saw this picture of him curling iron, which I don't even know if it was real. Mm. And it was just something about him being like a secret mastermind. Mm. And I was like, damn, that would make sense if he was really playing us like that. But I think the whole system is playing us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kelp says, note that the scandal was about Proyas having a peer whipped. Yeah. He could whip slaves and subordinates all day and Ockman's Inemus wouldn't bat an eye. Baker low-key challenging our moral sensibilities again. Yeah, that's a very that's a very helpful comment. Yeah, that's interesting. The casts in this world are so entrenched and deep. Mm-hmm. The Janan. <laughs> yeah. Janan be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last sentences of the chapter, uh, Esmanet is turning to Sarcellus, fixing him with a languid look. Uh, okay, sorry. This is after he says, Do you know what the Nilnameshi say of women who love fools? And she says, No. What did the Nilnameshi say? And he says, That when they sleep, they do not dream. I don't understand. Yeah, the only thing I thought that could make sense of it was that you're selling yourself short if you marry a fool, yeah. or you love a fool. Yeah. You can't dream of anything better. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, but... I don't know. It's one of many, like, epic-ass lines in this whole chapter that I don't think I really get. Yeah. I think it's funny whenever the skin spies, they're just, like, going off script, like, doing their own thing, kind of, like, fucking with people in weird ways. Yeah. Like, he doesn't need to say that. He could just be, like, (laughs) sexy Sarcellus. But he's like, you know what they say about the new mission. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Why does anybody do anything, you know? Stone, stone. Yeah. Uh, He pressed her gently to his pillow. I didn't get that. Is he just, like, shoving her head into, like... (laughs) No, he's pressing her gently. I don't know. Maybe I'm just, like, not the relationship guy. I don't know. I can't picture myself pressing somebody into his pillow. Yeah. But gently. But they're sleeping, right? Yeah. It's not like they're banging and he's just like trying to shove her 
face into the ground, right? It seems like he is initiating uh, some intercourse. Okay. That's I kind thought of... they were going to sleep, so that's why... They may be going to sleep. I mean, the initi- initiating intercourse, I think, makes more sense than... I just didn't get, like... I'm not trying to have somebody fucking push my head around when I want to lay down to sleep. Like, yeah. That's how I was picturing it in my mind. Yeah. That's a good end, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good chapter. Yeah. A lot of heady, heady, heady stuff. Real heady. Real heady. You know, a lot of world building, not a lot of... <laughs> yeah. Um, but everybody's on the move now. Yeah. Everybody's on the move. That's right. Things are getting going. Mm-hmm. Thanks for everybody for hanging. And, uh, her- oh yeah, Hermbro says, I guess you could probably tell after seeing one and confirming it was one. Look for the sexy mouth, I guess. Keep an eye out for the sexy mouth. That's why, um... Don't look at people's mouths for too long, though. (laughs) That's why Inralatus was screaming, right? Yeah. He wanted to see if she was a skin spy or not. Was that it? Or was he just trying to read her face? I mean, maybe both. I don't know. Also, just being a fucking creepo (laughs) monster psychopath. Yeah. Shit-covered psycho. He's like, I am God. <laughs> He's covered in shit. Stab somebody with a cum knife. You remember that? Yes. That was dude. pretty crazy. I love that, man. Uh, video game Jeffy also confirms my naivety about just being a weird... Head down. Helping him go to sleep. <laughs> unless, he, unless he thinks people sleep face to the pillow or something. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm toast. I'm toasted. Yeah, me too. Some toasted meat. Yeah. I hope grocery shopping went well. Oh, yeah. Uh, plus seed. Plus one <laughs> seed. <laughs> yeah, with right, three dexterity and four stamina on it. Um, Let us know if you've ever created a knife out of fabric and comb. Yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of if there's any, like... So there's... We made... So we officially are on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. I posted the Spotify thing, um, I think in my Discord. I'll, I guess I'll post the Discord link again, just in case there's any stragglers or something. Here's the Discord. I'll post more stuff on that, so as to not annoy Slowly Red server as much. Not, not that I'm annoyed, but I just don't want to be blowing it up. Um, but we got some chat going on. Come Knife was not a concept I was aware of before. <laughs> you just wait. And then Saul King says, Biden is no skin spy, but Corn Pop was. What's that? Is that Trump? I don't know. Oh, Corn Pop. Yeah, probably. Probably Trump, yeah. I think any politician is evil and could get it. (laughs) Yeah. Meg asks if it's made of cum. It's like a sheet slowly, like, crystallized by years of cum, right? Yeah. Years of, like, superhuman genetic... um, eugenic bloodline I don't know I just now mega cum mega cum yeah super sharp cum (laughs) white though not black yeah yeah then Jeff confirms that he purchased some pasta shells shells and they're cooking now congratulations I'm about to see about eating some food too yeah so we're on Spotify we gotta figure out how we can post more than one episode a month oh yeah but um um okay yeah so it costs like $20 $20 a month to do, to be able to post like as, as many episodes as you want, I think. So that's why we made a Patreon in case anyone feels like donating like a dollar or something. 
You certainly don't have to. But somebody on YouTube was like, do you have a Patreon? I would 100% donate to it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Why would anyone do that? Yeah. But it would go towards that. So if you want, that's chill. But also, who fucking cares? Yeah. And we're also not trying to gouge you by no. having an ad on the beginning of the Twitch stream. We literally don't know how to take yeah. it off. I've taken, like, again, not, like, the most crazy amount of time, but I think I looked for, like, 15 minutes on how to fucking take the ads off. And mm. I think once the ads are on, you can't really take them off. I mean, that's I, probably 10 more minutes than I would look. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was in a portal about how to get all this shit figured out. But, honestly, having a Patreon makes us look more official. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, We're we not, should though. launder money. We could launder money. And on that bombshell, it's time to end. Back to the studio. <laughs> Truth shines. Truth shines. Love y'all. Thanks for hanging. Thank you. Ooh, and thanks to any uh, podcast listeners on Spotify. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or on YouTube. Or on another service, which we will... Un- undisclosed. To be determined. Time is a flat circle, time man. Time is a real flat circle. Okay. Everyone, have a wonderful night. Goodbye. Enjoy your evenings. Goodbye.